There we are. Now I can hear myself. How are you guys? Yeah? Wow, worship was wonderful this morning, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, so wonderful this morning. I um, I'm a, I came a little bit tired, but I feel so refreshed. You guys, I have been enjoying community this week. I think maybe a little bit too much. I... <laughs> I went, I went to um, my niece's wedding last night, and um, I just wanted to stay because they were dancing afterwards, and it's been a long time since these legs have done the two-step, and, uh, <laughs> and so we stayed a little bit longer than, than maybe we should have because I did not want to get up. I was like just not stirring. I thought my alarm was his alarm. I was hoping it was his alarm because his usually goes off a little bit before mine, but no, it was mine. And, um, but um, we had so much fun, you know, just being with family and being in the community together. And so we spent a lot of time doing that. Tristan learned to two-step last night. I have pictures, ladies, I have pictures. Um, but um, I, I had the privilege recently of, speaking of community, I had the privilege recently of being invited to join in on a young adult, young, young women's uh, Bible study. It was like a little Bible study that they were having, and it was over the book that's called Finding Your People, Building Deep Community in a Lonely World by Jenny Allen, which is an amazing book. I have to tell you, it has blown my mind, completely blown my mind, and just my thinking. It's kind of expanded my thinking in regards to community and what that should look like. Um, you know, we learn things over the years based on our experiences some good, some not so good, right? But today I want to talk about God's plan for community, his desire from the very beginning. Did you know that God lived in community before the first man ever existed? Have you ever thought about that? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit communed together. They communed with one another. It says in the word that the Father and the Son glorified the Father glorified the Son, the Son glorified the Father, and the Holy Spirit glorified them both. They were in community long before man ever was. Man ever was. And then God said he wanted to create man, right? And, but what did he say when he created man? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. We were born with an innate need to be known. You know, when that baby comes into the world, it's not like, find me a place in the corner away from all these people. I don't like people. No, that baby's like, love me, love me, hold me, hold me. When I'm crying, you better answer or else, right? That baby is like needing community and it is demanding community. And so today the title of my message is living like penguins because I just thought the word community was kind of boring. Um, and, and when I think of community, I think about all those penguins that live together, you know, <laughs> they do. Like, that's just what comes to my mind. And so, you know, if, if I'm a little tired and I say things wrong, just think penguin, you'll get it. Um, just picture all the penguins hanging out together. Um, they just commune really, really well. And, you know, you, if you see a penguin that's by itself, it's lost. It's completely lost because that is not the norm for the penguin community. And so as we step into community today, 
I want to first look at the early church in Acts. And so if y'all will just pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for this incredible opportunity that we have today to dig into your word, to hear from you. We thank you for your sweet, 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 sweet presence that's here, God. Father, we're here today to be seen by you, to be known by you, to be challenged by you, even corrected by you. So help me today as I bring your word. Help us to grow together as a community of believers. And I just ask that you remove any barriers, God, any barriers that keep us isolated from you and each other. And I take authority over every religious spirit. In Jesus' name, you are not welcome here. And we welcome the spirit of truth in this place. Father, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, our text is in Acts 2, 46 through 47. I want to look at the early church in Acts. I think there's some great things that we can learn from her. And so let's just dive in. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with sincere and glad hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I have three questions that I want to answer in regards to community today. Because the truth is most of the world is still living in community. But we are not. Here in the Western world, we uh, very much celebrate the individual. And we've come far, far, far away from what community looks like. And so I want to first start with looking at the early church. I want to answer three questions. And the first one is, what does a healthy community look like? Because I think that some of us maybe don't even really know what that's supposed to be. What happens when we don't live in a healthy community? And then the third one is, how do we foster a healthy community? And so let's start with, what does a healthy community look like? You know, the early church of Acts, they met together, they ate together, and they worshiped together every day. Don't worry, I'm not asking you to do that. That would be culture shock for us. If we were constantly meeting together, eating together, and like daily, no, some of you would be like, I'm out. I am out, right? Um, they were in each other's business. What's so awesome is when you look at what was really going on here in the early church and you research it, every day the Greek associations, um, every day they were meeting, every day they were meeting, but the Greek associations at that time were meeting once a month, except for the most radical sex. And so what they found was that this was even unusual at that time that they were meeting daily. And it is said that they actually resembled more of family than they did friendships. And I thought that's really important to note. This group of people in the church were more like family. They, and when you think about family, there's obligation, right? There's obligation. Like I might not have to go and be there for my friend down the road, but if my sister needs me, I don't have a choice. And this is how this early church was operating. They were obligated like family. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's really interesting. And what's even more interesting is they were healthy. 
as a community. Because some of you are like, if I met with you every single day, I probably would not like you. You would not like me. I mean, that's how we think, right? We do, right? We just start thinking, uh, that's, we're getting too close. This is not okay. Um, I'm seeing your flaws. You're seeing mine. But these people met every day. So you know that they had to have disagreed at some point. There had to have been disagreements. But it said that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And when you look at what the word glad means in the Greek, it means glad. It means to exalt. It means joyful. But when you look at the antonym for glad, it's not unhappy. It's shame. Isn't that interesting? Shame. When you look at the word sincere, it doesn't mean what you would think it would mean in this text. It means without a stone, without guile, purity of intention. And the antonym for sincere means hypocrisy. Wow. That's really, really important for us to notice. They were truthful. They were open, free from pretense or deceit. This was the kind of people that were meeting in community daily. The verse goes on to say that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Growth happens in a healthy community. Growth happens in a healthy community. And we were made for this. We were made for this. So what happens when we don't live in a healthy community? What happens when we don't have that? We will short circuit when we're not living in a healthy community. That's how we have a high addiction rate. We have high loneliness rate. Finland, interestingly enough, is the number one happiest country in the world. Finland. So what's so different about Finland? Finland places a lot of value on family, friends, and community. Isn't that so interesting? They value it. They have a sauna culture in Finland, which I think is pretty cool. Um, they have over 5 million people and over 2 million saunas. So they have saunas and apartments. Like, it's a big deal. But what's even more amazing is they have communal saunas where people after work or during their lunch break, this is how much of a sauna culture, y'all are shaking your heads. I know I don't like to sweat. I'm like, they, must, they have to be the sweatiest, happiest people on earth, right? Like they go during their lunch break. They go a lot of times two or three times a day to the sauna. That's just crazy. But they're communal. They're in community constantly, and they're happy people. Research says three in five Americans report being lonely, and that's just the ones that are being honest. They say that number's much higher. 58% of Americans say that sometimes they always, they either sometimes or always feel like no one knows them well. Scientists warn that being lonely is worse than obesity and equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah. And you know, when you're feeling lonely, what you really need to do is pick up the phone and call someone. But how many of us do that when we're feeling lonely? We'll let someone know we're sick. Maybe. We've gotten pretty bad about not doing that as well. We usually tell someone after the fact. Have you noticed that? Oh, 
I was so sick, I almost died last week. Really? I didn't know that. Like, I'm, I'm at the place where I'm getting offended when people don't tell me what's going on in their world. I don't know about you, but I'm like, you, you didn't let me know so I could pray about that? You thought that was going to bother me? I'm more bothered that you didn't even let me know. I mean, that's how we're supposed to be if we're family. Family lets each other in on the good and the bad. You know why we don't pick up the phone and call someone and say we're lonely? I don't think I've ever done that. I don't know of anyone ever calling me, Carrie, I'm lonely. Why? Because it sounds so needy, doesn't it? And the last thing we as Americans want is to be known as being needy. Like, we don't want to bother nobody. We don't want to come across as being a leech, sucking the life out of people. You know, we have all these reasons and excuses. But what's interesting also about loneliness is there's a shame attached to it, which you didn't find in the early church. That's why there wasn't loneliness and there was such community. There's such a shame that gets attached to, to loneliness that what happens is when you partner with loneliness, you start hearing things like, nobody cares. Nobody really cares. Nobody loves you. You're not a very good friend. That's why you don't have any friends. You're really not worthy enough to be loved. This is what a spirit of loneliness does. And it isolates us more and more and more. And it's really an epidemic in America. And it didn't happen because of COVID. It happened well way before COVID. It's still happening today. There's loneliness in the church. Yeah. How are you? Fine. Oh, okay. That's great. What kind of conversation is that? You know, we have to be real, right? We have to be real. You know, shame really only exists in the dark. And the healthy expression of shame is empathy. But empathy is really, really hard to get all on your own. It's really hard to get by yourself. Shame is separating you from people, and it's also separating you from God. You know, if you're constantly putting up walls with people, you're possibly putting up walls with God. Yeah. He wants to know you, and he wants others to know you. Our culture amplifies this because it celebrates the individual, celebrates our individual success. It says if you fail, that's on you. If you succeed, that's on you. And it says true success is based on your wealth, your power, your reputation. Yeah. It just amplifies isolation, loneliness. There was a pastor um, that was raised in a family of refugees following the Rwandan genocide in 1994. His name was Pastor Mugisha. And when he came to visit the United States, this was his observation. The more resources a person gets, the more walls he or she puts up, and the more lonely they become. Even having more things can't take the place of truly being known. You know, instead of rating our success on gaining more wealth, having more power, worrying about our status, 
I believe we should rate our excess on how well we love the Lord and others. You know, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments. That's how we should rate our success. So how do we foster a healthy community? I want to share three ways that we can do that. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members, all of us, of one body. We're all connected. And if you're coming in here once a week and you're not connected to the body and you're connected out there, you're very disconnected because the body of believers are connected. You should be connected to your fellow believers. If you're more comfortable being connected in the world, you need to talk to God about that. You need to talk to God if you're more comfortable outside these walls with unbelievers than you are with your Christian brothers and sisters. There's something that God wants to work out in that area. We have to be real, right? The church in Acts was real. They were authentic. We have to stop pretending. No more lies. You know, when you, because we're all connected, when you lie to others, you're lying to yourself. We're all one body. Some of us put up walls because we've been hurt before. You know, we trusted someone that we should have been able to. I don't think there's probably not one person in here that hasn't happened to you. I, it has happened to me more times than I care to remember. Right? People fail us. They fail us. But let's be honest. Let's call it like it is. I think sometimes we use that hurt, that betrayal, as an excuse to not live in community. When the real reason is not because others have hurt us, but because we're hurting ourselves. We're believing that we're not good enough. We don't measure up. We're believing the lies that the enemy tells us. If people really knew me, they would walk away. Because the family that should have loved you probably did just that. We end up suffering more, though. When we put up those walls of protection, we end up suffering more. Because we forfeit being really seen. We forfeit being encouraged, understood, challenged. There's such beauty in deep relationship that we miss out on when we protect ourselves. I want to tell you today that you have permission to be real here this morning. You have permission. I was so excited this morning because I was talking with someone and they were sharing a little struggle with me this morning that they had. And I thought, and I looked at them and I said, thank you for being authentic because we got to talk together about it. We got to share with each other and encourage one another. And, you know, she said something to me about, well, yeah, you know, I, I know sometimes people get uncomfortable sharing because they're afraid someone's going to hold it over them. They're going to use it. Can I just tell you, brothers and sisters, don't do that. Don't use something that someone shared about themselves. Like especially, especially um, married couples. Oh my gosh. When a spouse shares something with you, don't use it later. Those are gifts. Those are gifts. 
where we can just encourage and build each other. Look at your neighbor this morning right now and say, you have permission to be real. Look at your other neighbor and say, you have permission to be real. The other, the other thing that we can do to foster healthy community is we have to allow ourselves to be sharpened. Allow ourselves to be sharpened. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This happens in community. I mean, you can imagine two pieces of iron being rubbed together. Sparks fly. Yeah? Sparks fly. Sometimes when you live in community, it's going to hurt. It is going to hurt. What this verse is saying is that we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be questioning, we should be encouraging, we should be challenging, and we should be coaching one another. It's mutual, and the benefit goes both ways when we do that. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But we're so afraid that someone in the church is going to think we're not as spiritual as we should be. That's the truth. So we pretend. We pretend like we're not struggling with anything, like everything's okay. We come in here week after week, and we hope someone will hear from God and pray for us, and some miraculous thing will happen where that thing will just fall right off of us. But the word says, confess. 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 It's not a bad word, guys. It's not a bad word. It brings healing. Confession brings healing. You know, we tell ourselves, no one knows what I'm going through. You're right, because you don't tell anyone. You are so right. I want to tell you a couple stories of how this has played out in my life. This was about 20 years ago. This story is making me so nervous, and it makes me laugh. I think I have put this story in my message. I'm going to be really transparent right now, vulnerable with y'all, but I think I've put this this story in my message a couple times, and then I've just passed it over. It's not very pastoral, what I'm going to tell you. So um, this was about 20 years ago. Uh, we were at Skybreak Church, um, that was known as Covenant Family Church at the time. And I was at home with two young children, Micah and Michaela. And Trey was on staff at the church, working a lot. And then he was asked to play Jesus and the Messiah, which was this massive production where thousands of people came to watch. And he was so anointed um, for that position. It was amazing. And yes, there are videos out there somewhere. Um, I, more like DVDs. Yeah, DVDs. Um, but I was at home while he was having all the fun and, um, I, at some point got to go up and and watch one of the rehearsals. And so I was sitting there watching the rehearsals and I noticed this one girl that was just talking with Trey a lot and just laughing and just having such a great time. And, um, and then it came to her scene and you guys, he's up on the cross my husband, not Jesus, is up on the cross. 
And um, um, it's, it's just funny. I, it's a little sore spot with me because, like, the women that would come and watch the production would ask the pastor if they could just touch his hair. And I'm like, he is not Jesus. He is my husband. Stop it. Like, it was just ridiculous, y'all. I'm not exaggerating at all. They would ask if they could please just touch his hair. And I, ugh. Anyway. <laughs> um, huh? It was a weave. Yes, it was. It was a weave. He had a weave. Yeah. Glued in, but then his hair fell out, so they had to sew it in. Like, it was just, yeah, all kinds of things. But anyway, um, Cheryl remembers. She was there. I think she was one of the ones that had to put makeup on him at one point, but I actually had to get my pastor's wife, the pastor's wife made me go in there while they were putting makeup on him because she was getting upset with the women in there. And um, like, I'm telling you, it was just a big, it was just ridiculous. And so anyway, I'm watching this scene and I'm sitting on the front row and y'all, I've been at home with the babies, right? You know, and, and this girl, she has to, in the scene, wrap her arms around the cross and look so lovingly at Jesus. And it just went all through me. I just couldn't handle it. And so it just continued to fester inside of me every time. If she just said hi to him, I was like, you know, and, and I wasn't telling anyone. It was just building and growing inside of me. And I was so angry. And of course, especially when I'm at home with the kids and he's there having fun. And, and so, um, that one specific time that I was sitting there and I was watching her with her arms wrapped around the cross, I pictured myself coming up off of that seat and punching her in the face. <laughs> it gotten that bad. I mean, I, it was everything for me not to just sit in that seat. And I was like, oh my God, it was so bad y'all that I played out the consequences. Would it be worth it? I thought, you know, it could be in the headings, pastor at church punches lady in a play in the face. And I thought that wouldn't be so bad. I could, I could, I could handle that. I could handle that being in the news. But then I thought, Ooh, she could really press charges. Cause if I punched her, if I punched her, it was going to be hard. And I thought she could press charges and I could end up in jail. And I don't think I want to handle that. I don't think that would be worth it. That would not be worth it to me. So I um, let it boil for, for longer, so much longer than I should have. Because who wants to say, wow, I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm feeling left out. You know, I so needy, right? It's so needy. And so I, I struggled with it longer than I should have. But that was kind of my wake-up call because I knew if I didn't do something, that spirit was just building inside of me, and it was not a godly one. It was not me. And so I, I went home, and I talked, to, I talked to my husband, and I shared it with him, and it was hard. <laughs> I was like, this is how I'm feeling. And, you know, he's, he's, he's my heart whisperer, really. He is. And he's like, Carrie you're seeing me laugh and have fun and all of that and enjoy myself. He said, but I'm, I'm acting. I'm in an acting position. It's all acting. You get the real me. And I was like, Oh, and he was like, you get, you get all of me. You get the good, the bad, you, you know me, like, you know me. They don't know me. And I was like, Oh, wow. 
wow. And he was like, you know, you're just, you're at home with the kids. And he just was so encouraging. And y'all, that confession became so healing for me. So healing in my spirit. And, you know, I never had an issue with it again. I could go up and talk to the, the young girl. I could spend time with her. I could truly love her like I was supposed to because it was gone as soon as I confessed it. As soon as I confessed it. You know, I think sometimes we get so comfortable justifying our behaviors that we don't even recognize the sin in our lives. So I wanted to share a few common sins that um, are common to believers that we fail to confess. We're so good at confessing the big things. I'm struggling with pornography. I drank too much. I, you know... I don't know, just the big things tend to just boil out of us, right? But there's all these little things that, that we think are little things, but in God's eyes, sin is sin. We're the ones that categorize it. So I want to just name a few of those things that we struggle with. Laziness, coping with change, anger, cursing and gossiping, pride, jealousy, coping with conflict, bad eating habits, being over-anxious, overly critical, easily discouraged. These are all things that are sin. Not trusting God. That's one that I, I confessed to someone recently that I just was surprised by myself. I was like, oh my gosh. I, after all these years, after all that he has done for me, after the many, many, many times he has proved himself to me, I still fail in trusting him sometimes. Ugh, seriously? And I confessed it. And it's something that God has been able to work out in me over certain situations where I found that I was controlling the situation and not giving it to him like I was supposed to. But you know what? He didn't deal with me on it and work with me on it till I confessed it. We have to get better by being trustworthy and trusting others. You know, I just, I just have to say that we can't let one person or one situation steal the joy that we can find in authentic relationship. You need to find your brother Find your sister, the one who is closer than a friend. And that leads me to the last point, which is love at all times. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. This verse isn't talking about a friend and then talking about a brother. This verse is saying, A friend loves at all times and becomes a brother in adversity. What? Okay, I tried to say wow and what at the same time. <laughs> Didn't come out right. What? Wow. Wow. Like that just, my mind was just blown, guys. So much so, we got wowed. So, you know, when, when you feel that way, that's what you can say. <laughs> I want to be a sister. I don't want to just be a friend. 
That's what we're called to. We're called to be sisters and brothers in Christ. We're obligated. Look at your neighbor and say, you're obligated. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're obligated. Trey and I, um, this, this is a story that doesn't, doesn't show, well, let me just tell the story. Trey and I were married four years. And we had Christian friends that we were excited about. And they had been coming over for dinner. And we were getting close to them. They had young kids. We had young kids. Well, Trey and I were struggling at that time. We were having some marriage problems. And um, we were going to counseling. And so I decided, I'm going to just, we're, we're, we're getting close. I'm going to share that with her. And so over the phone, I shared it with her. And it was like crickets on the other end. And I thought, oh, did I overshare? Like, oops. I got really nervous about it. And um, when I would call her after, she never called me back ever again. And when I called her after that, she wouldn't pick up the phone. And when I saw her at church, it's like I was a complete stranger. And I thought, ouch, wow. What did I learn from that? I learned that you can't trust people. You can't share your trouble, your problems, the ugly side of you. You can't reach out for help when you need it. I learned all kinds of things that I should not have learned in that moment. Some things that I had to allow God to bring healing to in my life. You know, when you find your identity in him, like when you truly know who you are as a son and a daughter, you can enter into relationships confidently loving regardless of the treatment you receive. That's one that God consistently works out in my life consistently I had someone close to me hang up hang up on me twice in the past few weeks the first time it kind of stung I was like ouch and and they're not they're not they're not really following the Lord at this this time so that kind of explains a lot right but they hung up on me and I thought oh that hurt and then the second time they hung up on me I I told Trey I said well that stung a little less and he just laughed. And, um, and it really did because I, I know who I am. I know who I am. And guess what? I still reached out to that person. I still loved that person because that's who God has called me to be. And that person is in my world. And I'm not going to walk away from the world because they're trying to walk away from mine. I'm going to continue to reach out. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. I'm going to love regardless of what I receive in return. We are not in transactional relationships in this church. It is not a, you give to me and now I owe you, I owe you because you, you know, we're, we're not doing that. You know, one of, one of the comments that was made to me was something about um, how many times I've called this person and they never return my call or whatever. And I said, you know, yeah, life happens. People get busy. And I said, but I'm not keeping a record. I'm not keeping a record of how many times the people in my life reach out or love me. I'm going to love them anyway because I love them. And I'm a lovable person. I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. And that's how we have to be. We have to get better at loving others and being trustworthy. You know, in closing today, I just want to remind us, community is God's desire for us. And it doesn't say, unless you're an introvert, 
<laughs> My husband's an introvert. It doesn't say you are off the hook because you're an introvert. God created us all for community. I, I personally think the introverts need community more than anybody. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my belief. You know, our culture may celebrate the individual, but gospel, the gospel celebrates community. And when we grow in community, we grow in relationship with him. And I, I just want to say that if you're experiencing loneliness today, I don't, I don't want to minimize that at all. That's, that's an ugly place to be. It is not a fun place to be. I've been there many times, unfortunately. And the last thing I want to do is pile shame on top of shame, right? I don't want to do that. I've, I've been in a place where I've befriended loneliness and, and, and said things like, God's the only one I can trust. I'm okay because I've got him. I was so prideful to believe that way. And the truth is, you can live in community because he is trustworthy. That's how we do it. We remember that he is the one that's never going to fail us. He's never going to turn his back on us. And because of that, regardless of if you or you or you or you or you decide we are not friends anymore, I'm going to be okay because he is still my friend. We have to understand that and get to that place where we're trusting people. We're being open. We're saying, this is who I am. This is my mess. Y'all get ready because y'all are going to hear more of my mess. More than ever. Because I'm tired of just fake I'm okay. Everybody's okay. I can't share with you what's really going on in my life. I don't, I can't tell you how many people in the halls I've talked to in the past and I've said, how are you? Fine. Is everything okay? Yes. Okay. Um, anything I can pray for you for? Mm, just pray. I have no idea what's going on. Like, it's so, I just, it's aggravating. I'm like, share, share. We're family. Let me know what's going on in your world so I can encourage you and pray for you. Iron sharpens iron. That's how we grow, guys. That's how we grow. You know, he created us to need him and each other. You know that David experienced great loneliness. David had to flee his own family because his own son was trying to kill him. Talk about loneliness. There's no shame in loneliness, guys. We live in a very lonely community. There's no shame in it. Jesus experienced loneliness. He suffered it on the cross. Remember, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He knows what loneliness feels like. And there's no greater loneliness than being disconnected from your heavenly Father. Talk about loneliness, especially if you have, have at all accepted him into your life and then tried to walk away. That is the most miserable, lonely place to be. He doesn't disconnect from you, ever. And so today I want to pray for you. Maybe you're struggling with community. Because, you know, 
it hurts. People hurt us, they disappoint us. And that's a hard thing to bounce back from. I, I know it's a hard thing to bounce back from, but we can do it because he is, he is our friend. He is everything that we need. And we can once again, open our hands, open our hearts and trust and love each other because he is trustworthy and he created us for that. So today I wanna to pray for you. Today is your day to begin to experience the joy that comes from being truly known. And if some of you are sitting in your seat and you're saying, I just don't, that's just not for me. I don't, I don't need anyone, I'm good on my own. No one, you know, I've been in a place where I've said no one is trustworthy in my life. I've been in that place. Those are lies. Those are lies from the enemy because he makes us trustworthy, guys. He is growing us daily, daily. Yes, we're gonna mess up, but because he is trustworthy, we can be trustworthy. You can be trustworthy. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can be trustworthy. So today I wanna invite you to the front if you're um, struggling with community. Maybe um, you've said some of the things that I mentioned, you felt that way, maybe you're feeling that way now. Maybe you're struggling with trusting others. I wanna invite you to be real this morning and to come on up to the front because we wanna pray for you and we wanna break any spirit of loneliness that's in this place.